In the corporate culture, for example, when somebody is fell off the favor of the boss, we say he or she is falling off grace, right? He's falling out of grace. When we see somebody in public sin and somehow got caught, and we say, well, he has fallen from grace. That's the way we use the language. That's the way you understood it. That you had the way you understood the meaning of those words. Whenever someone turned away from the faith, or at least turned away from churchianity, because nobody really can turn away from the faith after they are really Christians. But they turned away from churchianity and turned their back, or what appears to us turned their back on God. We say, He has fallen from grace. Well, the Apostle Paul, in the epistle to the Galatians, uses the term fallen from grace, but he means something very different from the way we use it. All of us use the term. Sometimes when we use the term, we mean somebody falling from grace that he lost his or her salvation. I know there's some Christian churches that have that tradition. Of people falling from grace, meaning they have lost their salvation. Why? Because they believe that Christians can lose their salvation. While in reality, the Bible tells us that a Christian can never lose their salvation. In the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 38 and 39, Jesus speaking now, He said, Nobody can come to me unless the Father draws them, and then whom the Father gives me, I will lose none. You got Jesus' word on it, not mine. (laughs) Because mine doesn't mean anything. But you have Jesus' promise that when you come to him, you will never be let go. To be sure, the scripture exalts us a number of places that we are to fulfill our salvation in fear and trembling. What does the scripture mean? It means that anyone who's truly received the grace of God and is saved by the grace of God and faith alone will fulfill his or her salvation in fear and tremble. Not any other way. Today there are Christians who live their lives that is so deprived of joy, is so deprived of peace, it is so deprived of hope, simply because they do not know from day to day if they're going to go to heaven or go to hell. If they are pleasing God or not pleasing God. If they're going to make it or not going to make it. I mean, one day they're up, one day they're down. One day they're up, one day they're down. Some of you heard me say that I was taught as a a young boy growing up in that church that if I went to the movies, smoked or played cards, or God forbid made a purchase on the Lord's Day, even if it's necessary, I have fallen from grace. That's what the church taught and the preacher would lean on the pulpit, and I, I still remember him. And he'll point that thing, and I'll sit in the front. And he would say, the cinema, the devil's house. And he would say, if Jesus returns, and you're in the movies, the devil's house, you spend eternity in hell. Well, the few times that I have violated this rule as a youngster, and I went inside the devil's house... <laughs> I never enjoyed the movie. (laughs) My wife would testify, we don't go to movies much at all. But when we do, I am miserable. I'm not enjoying it. (laughs) I'm always worried Jesus is going to come back. (laughs) And I'm not going to see the end of the movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't mind telling you, if my preacher would see what kind of movies Christians see today, he would die a thousand deaths. <laughs> That's a different subject. I'm going to get to that at some point. But those of us who have been brought up in legalism, and if you were not brought up in legalism, brother, sister, just rejoice. <laughs> but those of us who have been brought up in legalism will probably struggle with it for a very long time. I was ecstatic when I came across a quote from a great theologian by the name of Howard Hendricks. Howard Hendricks said, he said, I repudiated legalism intellectually and theologically in 1946. <laughs> but in 1982, I'm still wrestling with it emotionally. And some of us understand what he's talking about. But when the Apostle Paul is using the term falling from grace, he did not mean that a Christian would lose his or her salvation when they fall in sin. It does not mean that no amount of repentance will ever get you to heaven. That is not what he's saying. Why? Because it is the grace of God that saves us. It is the grace of God that sustains us. And it is the grace of God that is going to present us to the Father blameless and holy in that day of glory. That's what the grace of God is a complete job from beginning to end. So what does the Apostle Paul mean by fallen from grace? He was talking about legalism. Well, some of you, when I mentioned that word early in the piece, probably very, very few of you, but very important for me, I can see your mind switch and say, what is legalism? Well, we don't know what that means. Well, I am glad you asked. I want to tell you. Legalism says that you are not saved by God's grace alone, but rather you are saved by God's grace plus Keeping some external rituals, some external rules, some external practices. That's what legalism in a nutshell. There are some people still think and judge Christians by the clothes they wear, or the the type of music they like to listen to, or all the the style of worship they prefer, or all the length of the dress, or the length of the hair, and all the rest of it. You know what I'm talking about. There are people even today, who believe that you can only please God by observing certain external rules, certain external rituals. We saw in the last message how we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. And even that faith is not our faith, it's a gift from God. God gives us faith because without that faith that He gives us to open our eyes, we would not recognize that we are sinners and heading for hell, and we need His help, and we need His grace. In fact, that faith is given to us as a gift, not only makes us recognize our condition without Christ that is miserable, but it helps us to be able to receive the grace of God. Because in our natural fallen nature, we can never receive the grace of God. So the faith alone, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, is that when we were dead in trespasses and sin, when Paul said we were dead, we were dead, dead, dead in trespasses and sin. There was no life in us. And dead people cannot believe. Dead people cannot repent. Dead people cannot receive the grace of God. So he had to breathe the gift of faith in us in order to revive us, therefore to be able to recognize our condition 
He breathes that faith in order that we may be able to receive the grace of God. You know, I heard about a man who was giving his testimony in one of those churches that teaches that salvation is a corporate effort. You know, God does his part, you do your part, and, and then you've got to keep your part or else you're going to lose it along the way somewhere. And, and this man got up to give his testimony and he gave all the glory to God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. He gave all the glory to God. And the pastor got up after this man, true story. He got up and said, well, you told us all about the grace of God, but uh, you cannot be saved by grace of God alone. What about your part? The man said, I'm sorry, I didn't make it clear. So he got up again and he said, well, for more than 30 years, I ran away from God as fast as my sin could carry me. He said, that was my part. (laughs) But God took out after me and he ran me down. (laughs) That was his part. Glory to God. Please hear me right. To fall into sin and to experience God's grace and forgiveness and restoration when you repent is not falling from grace. To fall into sin and in a genuine repentance you ask God for His grace to forgive you and restore you that is not falling from grace. So what is falling from grace then? What is this falling from grace all about? Listen carefully please. Falling from grace is when you cease to believe that only God's grace can save you. Falling from grace is when you trust in some external rule on some man-made ritual or some man-made idea or some church dogma that's going to get you to heaven. Falling from ritual is when we believe that salvation is in one specific church and no other. Falling from grace is when you follow a certain dogma, believing that that dogma is going to get you to heaven. Falling from grace is when you are observing certain religious rituals, believing that that's going to get you to heaven. That is falling from grace. Falling from grace is when you add something, whatever it is, Baptism, communion, it doesn't matter what it is. If you add anything, whatever that thing is, to the grace of God to give you favor with God. If you haven't turned already to Galatians chapter 5 verse 4, please turn to it. Chapter 5, epistle to the Galatians. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying to them, to fall from grace is to fall into legalism. That's what he's saying. To fall from grace is to fall into legalism. And since choosing legalism is the abandoning of the grace principle by which you can only relate to God, therefore, you have turned away from the all-sufficiency of the grace of God, all the necessity of the grace of God for salvation. In fact... That's what the epistle of, to the Galatians is all about from beginning to end. The Apostle Paul is hammering away. I gave you the summary of it. I mean, he's hammering away the entire epistle at that one issue. 
and that one issue alone. In fact, next to the epistle to the Romans, the epistle to the Galatians is the most important document in the Christian church. It was the centerpiece of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther, for example, called the epistle to the Galatians Catherine von Bohr. That's the name of his wife. He said, because I am wedded to it. Because when he read the epistle to the Galatians, he was freed up. Martin Luther used to confess every 20 seconds. And he comes out of confession and immediately a thought comes to his head. He goes back into confession. The man was miserable. And until he came to understand the grace of God. And he was so liberated and led the whole Reformation movement. Well, let me give you a quick background about the church in Galatia. That's modern day Turkey. Paul comes in, preaches the gospel of grace, salvation through Jesus Christ, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. And then the church grew. People believed, and then he left. A group of people called the Judaizers came in. The Judaizers, they're the ones who taught that, yes, you are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, plus the keeping of the ceremonial law. You are not saved by Christ alone, the cross alone, faith alone, grace alone. No, you have that plus... And therefore, if you have that and not the other, you're not really saved. That's what they were teaching. And you can understand why Paul is absolutely furious. I mean, these Judaizers, like their modern-day successors, they have a, a strategy, and they have a very deceptive strategy. They really do. It never changes. I mean, you just look at it through history. It's the same strategy. First of all, you try to destroy the credibility of the preacher of the truth. Then you turn in and you destroy the truth that he is preaching. That's what they were doing. These people came from Jerusalem and said, Oh, Paul wasn't one of the twelves. The twelve don't believe him. He doesn't understand. He wasn't there at the resurrection time. And that's why Paul had to defend his own apostleship to these people. And once people began to say, Yeah, I'm not really sure about this Paul guy. (laughs) You know, once they succeeded in that and they said, Now let me tell you. What he's teaching is not the whole truth. He's just teaching it through grace alone, but really you have to keep all these ceremonial laws as well if you really want to make it to heaven. That's the incredible, incredible deception. Many years ago in this particular church, I was doing a series of messages on the biblical teaching of the spiritual headship of the husband in the home. And I was preaching away what I believe the scripture is saying from Genesis to Revelation. This is not Paul's teaching. God began. When he told Adam and Eve, he told Eve, he said, look, your desire is to try to rule over him, but it is my desire that the man be the spiritual head. God is the one who said it. Paul is merely as expounding it. And I was explaining all this away. There's a handful of folks just did not like what I said. Well, how unusual. <laughs> 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 Well, they didn't like what I said. So what they did, they began the same way the strategy of the Judaizer went around trying to destroy my credibility. Well, you know, he's from the Middle East. He doesn't understand Western culture. He, the, really, the Bible doesn't say that. He just doesn't understand it. And went on. And finally, when people began to listen to them, then they say, well, you know, here's what really the Bible is saying. I got news for you. Good news. These folks are no longer here. Here in the epistle to the Galatians, Paul becomes the most indignant that you ever see him anywhere in all of his writings. Why? I mean, he's dealing with the Corinthian church. Man alive, they had so much mess on their hand there. Immorality and stuff was going on, but he gently calls them saints. 
And he talked to them as brothers and sisters in Christ and lead them out of sin into having victory over sin. But he comes to the Galatians and literally is ripping the shirt off their backs. I mean, the first thing, who has bewitched you, you fools? And he goes on in ways that you don't see Paul doing this. Why? He had a very good reason, and I thank God for it, that we have it today. Because he knew that when you teach that salvation through grace plus, whatever that plus is, I don't care what it is, you repudiate the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. He knew that when you preach that salvation is through faith plus, You empty the cross of Jesus Christ of its power. You empty the cross of Christ of its value. That is why the Apostle Paul is so indignant in this epistle. And that is why he is so emphatic. Look at verses 2, 3, and 4 of Galatians 5. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if the person is trying to be saved by works... That person had fallen from grace into legalism, and therefore he cannot be saved at all, since no one can be saved in any other way other than grace alone. Here's really the sad thing. In my personal conviction, this is the sad thing. 2,000 years after the, the New Testament clearly spells out that salvation is through grace alone, Some people are still preaching salvation through legalism, through rituals, and through dogma. Which, of course, is misleading millions of people. And that's where my heart gets torn at those folks who who go there and, and believe that stuff. In fact, I'm reminded of a story I heard of years ago of a missionary in Africa. Been witnessing to this old tribal chief for a long time. One time after hours of the old warrior listening to the missionary, hours, finally he stopped him. He said, let me stop you here. I don't understand. You told me that I must not take my neighbor's wife or his ivory or his oxen. You also said that I must not dance the war dance nor ambush my enemy on the trail and kill him. And the missionary's eyes were so wide, he said, that's exactly right, that's what I'm trying to tell you. The worn out old warrior said, but I can't do any of these things anymore, I'm too old for that. (laughs) And then he concluded, here's the misunderstanding I'm trying to tell you, the misleading Here's his conclusion. He said, being too old and being a Christian must be the same thing. (laughs) When you witness, be careful ever to give somebody some rule to obey. Tell them that Jesus loves them and that he's ready to give his grace free. They don't have to jump through hoops to get to Christ. That his grace is free. And when the grace of God come into their life, they will recognize that they're sinners and they need to repent. When the faith comes into their lives, they're going to come to the point of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's His job, not yours. Your job is to witness. Don't give them 12 steps or 13-step formula or this or that or the other thing for them to be Christians. No. No. 
And that is why I thank God every single day. And we all should be thankful to God for preserving His Word for us today. So that we can tell what is the error. So we can tell what is wrong. So we can tell what's false teaching. That He preserved His Word for us today so we can know the difference between man's way and God's way. And make no mistake about it, legalism is man's way, not God's. In fact, in the 4th century, the epistle to the Galatians was already in circulation by then. By the 4th century, we see the beginning of the entry of legalism into the church. There were some monks who lived on a diet of bread, salt, and water, thinking that this is how they can please God. There were some monks who wore only a loincloth of thorns. Simon Stalet's prostrated himself 1,224 times a day, thinking that this is how he can earn God's favor. When the Bible clearly said that God's grace is an unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. Don't ever think that you deserve the grace of God. Why do you think Jesus lambasted the Pharisees and he called them every name in the book? He called them hypocrites. He called them snakes. He called them brood of vipers. He called them blind guides. He called them whitewashed tombs. Why? Because they loaded people with so many rules and regulations that were not even in the Bible. The question that always follows this is this. If you got what I said so far, say amen. Amen. Then you can't wait until what I'm going to tell you. Because what I'm going to tell you is of vital importance. The question that always follows when you preach on grace, if I stop here, I would have been just as in error as the others. People would say, the natural response when they hear salvation by grace alone, there are some who would say, Now that I'm saved by grace, can I just break every one of the commandments? Please hear me right on this one. Anyone who says this, anyone who practices this, anyone who believes this is not saved. It's not saved. I'm going to explain to you why. The Bible tells us so clearly that those who are saved by grace keep the law. The Bible tells us that those who are saved by faith alone are not habitual lawbreakers. Those who have experienced the love and the grace of God, not only going to keep the letter of the law, they're going to keep the spirit of the law. What do you mean by the spirit of the law? Those who receive the grace of God by faith alone and receive the Lord Jesus Christ into their life, not only they're not going to kill, because that's what the commandment said, they're not even going to hate, which is the first step that will get you to killing. You see, that's the spirit of the law. Those who have received the grace of God and the love of God and overwhelmed with the salvation given so free, not only they're not going to covet somebody else's property and possession, they are going to give sacrificially of their own life and of their own resources, no matter how little they have or how much they have. You see, that's the spirit of the law. 
Those who have received the grace of God so freely by faith alone believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't only not take revenge. They are forgive those who even hurt them and despise them because they love their enemies. That's the spirit of the law. The Bible tells us that there are people who can keep the external laws. Remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what do I do to be saved? He said, keep the commands. He said, oh, I kept all those. He said, you know, there are a number of instances. The, the older brother in the parodical son story in Luke 15, he stayed home, sang in a church choir, and did all the right things. He kept them all. Man, he can take them off. But listen to me, please. They may be able to keep the external law, but deep down, they are haters. Deep down, they are prideful. Deep down, they are angry. Deep down, they are covetous. Deep down, they are idolaters. You see, grace changes the heart. The one and all important question, listen carefully please. How then can a Christian who saved by grace alone, faith alone, keep the letter of the law as well as the spirit of the law. Not saved through them, but once he's saved, once she's saved, they keep them. How can they do that? When everything around us trying to pull us away, how can they do this? Well, the Holy Scriptures tells us that when you are saved by grace alone, The Holy Spirit of God came in to dwell on the inside of you. Why? The Spirit of God is to empower you to do the impossible. The Holy Spirit of God is there to strengthen you to do what is humanly cannot be done. The Holy Spirit of God comes into your life in order to guide you to do the undoable. You see, legalism imposes an outward code. It can never change the person's inner desire and inner heart. That is why I think this fallacy of political correctness that has been thrown around in this country is so dangerous. Because it can never change a man's heart. It can never change a woman's heart. It can never change a boy's heart or a girl's heart. They're going to be seething inside and biting their teeth, but outside they're politically correct. Only the grace of God does that. Legalism enforces the outward appearance, but it can never, never, never enable you to please God. Grace, on the other hand, provides that inner desire and gives you the power to obey God. The Holy Spirit helps us to fulfill God's desire in us. The Holy Spirit helps us to make us be all that God wants us to be. What does God want us to be? God wants to free us up, free to serve Him, free to sacrifice for Him, free to love, free to give, free to obey. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. And so, my beloved friends, to fall from grace is to refuse to accept that it is grace alone and only grace can make you acceptable to God the Father. Now there are some people who think that legalism is hard. They really do. No, it's not hard at all. It's the opposite that is true. Legalism is easy. 
And that's why most religions have legalism. Muslims have five things. Just keep those. You're fine. You don't have to think. You don't have to do anything. Keep the law. That's it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to. It doesn't have to permeate every part of your life. No. See, legalism is easy. It's not as hard as people claim to be. I want to explain to you why. I want to give you an illustration. It is relatively easy not to murder. I think most of us here would say, I haven't murdered anybody. You haven't murdered anybody. It's relatively easy not to murder. But it is much harder to reach out and love to someone who despises you. It is relatively easy to not commit adultery. But it is harder to keep on loving your spouse more than yourself. Even when you've just had a humdinger of an argument. It is relatively easy to pay taxes. It is much harder to give sacrificially to the Lord. You see what I mean now? Living in the Spirit is to be in constant openness to the Holy Spirit's guidance, even if He takes you in places that you might not, and your flesh might not like to go. Living in the Spirit makes me more conscious of what I have left undone. Not brag on what I've done. Living in the Spirit forbids me from putting on a social mask. Living in the Spirit convicts me to avoid false comparisons with other Christians. Someone said that the ultimate effect of legalism is to lower our view of God. And I say amen to that. But grace, on the other hand, gives us high and lofty view of God when He lavishes His grace upon us undeservedly. Beloved friends, I want to tell you what often overwhelms me. Not how much I've done. But how much God's grace is lavished upon me. Especially in the times when I'm not deserving of it. If you want to live in victory, if you want to live in power, get to know, really, really know Jesus. If you want to live in victory and in power, get to know the overwhelming grace and love of God. If you really want to live in victory and in power, put yourself in the place of receiving the grace of God. Shall we pray? Father God, you are an unbelievable, incredible, awesome God. There is no way that we can fathom everything about you. But the little we know, we give you thanks that you loved us so graciously and you loved us so freely in the beloved, the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your grace that is given to us. Forgive us for the times when we thought that we're going to be acceptable to you based on our efforts. And we thank you, Lord God, that it is your grace that wants to strengthen us to walk with you to fulfill all that you desire of us and in us and through us. And Father, we thank you that it's your grace that ultimately will present us to you 
blameless, holy, and righteous because of Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.